Hi, I'm Coach John Cook, and thanks for joining me for this episode of the Talking Hoops podcast. Have a great guest today, Mike Fuline, the head men's basketball coach at the University of Mount Union in Alliance, Ohio, Division Three school that participates in the Ohio Athletic Conference. And uh, Mike was a high school coach, won a state title at Maslin Jackson before making the jump to the college ranks, which uh, is very uncommon, and he's been uncommonly successful in doing so. Had what I think might have been one of the top four or five teams in the country this year in Division Three, with a chance to compete for a national championship, and uh, had his season shut down getting ready to compete in the Elite Eight uh, against another great team in Wittenberg. Uh, he's had an amazing journey through coaching, and obviously, again, a, a very difficult year this year, but look about look forward to talking about all of that and more with Coach Mike Fuline of the University of Mount Union. Hi, I'm Coach John Cook, and welcome into today's episode of the podcast. During the show intro, you heard me say that my guest today is Mike Fuline. Um, I've done 50-something episodes, and I've said this probably two dozen times in 50-something episodes. If you've been in coaching any time at all, you've got a journey that's really unique and by most counts fascinating. Uh, Mike checks all the boxes. <laughs> it's a unique journey, I think a fascinating journey, and a guy that I've feel fortunate to have gotten to meet. I spent last this past year as, a, as an assistant at Ohio Northern University, and and obviously we play Mount Union where, where Mike's the head coach. We play a couple times a year, and um, because I have a really good relationship with Coach Campoli, the retired coach at Northern, I was able to be introduced to Mike, and and um, but he doesn't know that. Before that, I watched him coach, obviously, at the state tournament when he was in Maslin, and uh, coach, I've been waiting a long time to do this. I, I th- This is equal parts for me because I, I have a hard time sometimes choosing my favorite podcast between high school guys and the D3 game that I'm so passionate about. And I get both here. So right. I'm, I'm excited about it and welcome in. I'm, I'm glad to have you here. Uh, I appreciate you having me on and uh, I've been looking forward to this as well. So really, I just want to jump right in. I, I know some of our listeners are going to know your story, a little bit of it. Some of them are going to know very small parts and some may not know any at all. You're, you're the head coach at the University of Mount Union. Um, and we'll get into your time at Mount Union. You've built um, a, a program there that, you know, I, I guess I could use the cliche that it's the envy of a lot of programs in the OAC. Um, I don't think that's inaccurate, but that is a little bit cliche because the OAC is just such a damn good league that everybody's generally has a chance to be pretty good. Um, but talk a little bit about your, your your interest in college coaching and kind of where it came from before we go back into your high school time. Well, you know, I, I don't know if I – you know, John, I've had uh, a unique, a unique journey, as you said. I don't know if I ever, um, you know, really thought myself to, to be a college basketball coach. I just have been fortunate uh, throughout the way, like I'm sure many of your your guests have said, to be in, at the right spot at the right time, so to speak. And um, you know, I just wanted to be a high school basketball coach, and, and I loved it. And I know we'll get into it, but my, my first head coaching job at Roostown High School, I was 27 years old. And the two years that I spent there, what, what's helped me tremendously is um, I loved it, like every second of it. I, I loved the small town. I grew up in Manchester, which is a town just like a Roostown, small Division three high school. And, and that shaped me into knowing that no matter what, like the level never really mattered to me. I, I just, I loved it. I mean, I loved the people. I loved the players. I loved the families. And I was so fortunate to, to have some talented 
young men there. Um, and, we, and we won a lot of games, but it was more the atmosphere that I was surrounded by. So, you know, I don't know if I, everyone, when you watch the final four, I think dreams of playing those, those dreams were cut off fairly quickly. <laughs> you know, I, was a, I was, a, I was an average high school player, uh, you know, a two year starter as a point guard at Manchester, but loved it. You know, I just, I enjoyed it so much. I enjoyed the game. Um, so I'm not sure if I ever really thought I was going to be a college basketball coach. Uh, but as that journey went on, you know, things obviously change and, and sometimes your ambition changes as well. So let, let's go back into your background then. You said you, you grew up and attended Manchester High School. Who, who did you play for in high school and who were some of the, I mean, if not your high school coach or if it was, who, who were some of the other influences on your early interest in coaching? Well, you know, you know the, I, I played for Gene Schindelwolf, who's still there. I mean, he, he's coached for many years, well over 30. Um, the thing that I loved about Coach Schindelwolf was he was a player's coach. So when I was not in class and, and had free time, you know, I would be in the gym with him during his phys ed classes. So that relationship was, was very special to me. Um, I had an assistant coach as well. His name was Bob Eckert, who, who had recently just passed away, uh, who meant so much to me too, as a freshman coach, you know, we, we were 17 and zero and lost in the championship game. And, and those feelings are, are still fresh, you know, this many years ago. But I'll tell you what, the passion that I, I really grew from was from my uncle, uh, Joe Fulai. He was the head coach at, in Youngstown at, at a school called Struthers High School. Have you ever been to the field house? Uh, you know, I have never been there, but I have seen games there on film, oh. and I have talked to – all I've ever heard about is the fact that I need to get there. You need to get there, buddy. You need to get there. So uh, I just always remember going to his games and going in at, in the locker room uh, afterward and then just talking over – over, you know, some spaghetti on Sundays and, and just falling in love with it. And, you know, so he, he was was huge, um, huge for me to, to fall in love with the game, as well as my father. You know, I played CYO basketball with my buddies. My dad was uh, the, the Jim Valvano of CYO on his hands and knees, you know, every, every single game. So uh, that passion uh, was always there. Um, and, and when you play in Manchester, you know, it's just like a lot of small schools. You play all three sports. Um, you love it. You're a part of the town. And I remember, John, I, I mean, a lot of people, you know, we pray at night. As a father, you pray, pray for different things. But I remember being, you know, in middle school and high school. And every night, please, God, just let us win a state championship. You know, and, and that was in basketball. But so my senior year in baseball, we lose in the regional final. I think it was two to one, just a heartbreaker. Um, but, you know, I jumped about those things and, and loved it. And then the, the opportunity uh, to play small division three college basketball was there. But I was uh, in love with baseball. And, and I thought that's what I wanted to do and kind of messed around during the summer to try to uh, get into a school called Catawba. It's just a little NAIA school in North Carolina. Uh, we went on a visit. I loved it there. But the ride home, I'm like, man, this is a little too far away from home. And uh, so I ended up going to Youngstown State, which where all my family was. And I uh, was going to try to be a walk-on on the baseball team. I was not anywhere close to being good enough uh, for that. So I started going into the gyms when my uncle practiced 
leave Youngstown. I stayed in the dorm. Would drive 15 minutes, you know, go watch their practices. And during that time, I was fortunate. It was some of his best teams. Uh, a guy named by Ricky McFadden, who's oh yeah, who's a, yeah, who's an assistant at at Duquesne right now. Uh, just watching that team play, watching them practice, and just the you know they were in five out open motion. That was to this day one of the best I've ever seen. And and just sat up in in the stands and and just took notes and and fell in love with it. And, and then that yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I did that. That part of it is always interesting to me because. Mike, you know this. I mean, around here in, in Hicktown, USA, in the country where I live, we, we talk a lot about the coaching bug. Um, when, when it bites, it's different. I mean, it, it, it the, the outcome is the same. You, you can't ever shake it, but it bites you in different ways. So when you're talking about sitting up in the stands, taking notes, like I'm getting chills. That, that's the kind of st- that's the kind of stuff that like 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. That, that is, that's kind of what I did. And and not knowing that, I mean, knowing that I hoped it would be uh, something I would do for a living, but not really knowing what that path would look like. But nonetheless, it was never, it was never not an option for me to do those things. Absolutely. I, I remember my fondest memory, and we talk about it all the time, is they used to practice on Sundays. Well, on Sundays in the field house, there's no heat, like it's freezing. So those guys would have long sleeve shirts on and sweatshirts with their jerseys over top. But that was my Sunday. I, I live for it. Go to church. Go eat spaghetti at my grandma's, go watch practice from two to four. And, and then just talk about that practice, you know, for about an hour afterward. Um, it, it, I loved it. You know, I, I still, I, I miss those days. I, I really do. Because you're starting to form a philosophy. You don't even know it. I don't, I didn't have really a clue of, of what I was doing. But that's where I look back at some of those same things that I wrote down back then are the same principles that, that we use today. And I love that. And and I, if you'll pardon this next question, maybe it's it's a little bit putting you on the spot. But, Coach, I, I, a lot of young coaches listen to this podcast, or at least that's what I hear, is, is guys who are young and early in high school or been at high school for a while, but still fairly young guys that, that listen to the podcast. And just for any coach that that's, uh, aspires to it or maybe is in the middle of it, I think sometimes we get clouded about what it means to have a philosophy of something versus a style of play. I don't think they mean the same thing. Um, it, it, could you elaborate a little bit when you talk about building a philosophy and how that's, some of that's carried over, how would you describe what having a philosophy of basketball means to you? Oh, you're so right on that. You know, the, there's philosophies and then the, like you said, there's styles of play. And, and what I've learned is the styles of play are, are based on, on who you have, right? I mean, it's just based on, um, the abilities of your players, the philosophy and, and my goodness, the word culture, right? We use that all the time, and everybody says we use it all the time, but we still use it. Now, I've always used the word family since I've coached, and I wanted to have a, uh, you know, a, a group of men, their families, a school, a town, that just we were all one family, you know. And in a family, you're gonna argue, you're gonna cry, you're gonna laugh. I mean, it's it's. It's what I grew up with. You know, we're Italian, and, and that's how we live. And, and our passion is on our sleeves, and we care so much about, you know, other people. So when I was at Rootstown, I remember this as plain as day. Our, our women's coach was a tremendous guy, and, you know, he, he had a, he, a lot more money than I did at that time. And, and I said, man, I want to get, you know, some, some T-shirts and for every, you know, parent and sibling 
in the program. And he goes, let's do it. I mean, we ordered like 200 t-shirts and it just said Rover family. And I passed those out at our opening. I explained what I meant by it. Like, you know, this is it, man. Let's go have fun and enjoy the ups and downs of, of this. Now I'm 27 and I, I mean, I'm probably tearing up during, during the talk. <laughs> I mean, I, people are crying. We're passing out t-shirts and John, I'm telling you, it's 20 some years later. And those T-shirts will be found. Like you could see them. You know, it it meant so much to them. You know, and it meant so much to me. So that philosophy is is listen. This this is our team. This is our program, our town, and and how we're going to represent that by not only how we how we play, how we treat each other, um, and and then just giving people something to look forward to. You know, I always I remember telling my mom uh, all the time like. I always felt like that I can help people have a good night. And, and I learned that it was my second year uh, at, at Rootstown and my cousin who was 20 years old passed away and my family were devastated, right? It's right in the middle of basketball season. The tournament's about to start and we're in the district final. And I think Rootstown had only been there maybe uh, once, you know, in, in school history. So I'm going to the funeral. I'm a pallbearer. I'm, I'm devastated. And my family all comes to the game. My grandparents, you know, cousins, aunts, uh, my cousin's mother, brother, and, and, and we went. And, I mean, I, I gave a speech, I think, at the beginning of that game, I mean, bawling my eyes out. And I just, you know, you, that's what you do with family. And you just talk about passion. And I just begged them, please, just play as hard as you possibly can. And my, it was like 30 to six. I don't think the team got the ball, <laughs> you know, past, we we're running and jumping. And, and, you know, I saw the picture of my grandfather hugging me with a piece of the net, you know, in his hand. And, and that's when I knew, like, this isn't about me whatsoever. But just can we get people to enjoy life, to have these great memories uh, together? And if you could do that by, by coaching a game, right, and, and just coaching your heart out, and having guys who believe in you and playing their heart out, then it's it's an unbelievable gift and, and something I don't take for granted. Well, Coach, I'll, I'll tell you what. There, there's a lot of discussion in our culture today. I mean, the American culture, but the basketball culture specifically as well, about focusing on what your why is. If you if you were 27 or 28 or 29 years old, and your why was because we can make somebody's night special. That, that's pretty damn good, <laughs> and, and that yes. do, and that doesn't need to change. Right. Uh, I, I had good parents, buddy. I had good parents. I can tell you that. There are not a lot of coaches in their mid to late 20s that would have the same why in their mid to late 40s, uh, right. and, and I, I hope you have that into your mid to late 60s, my man. I, I hope that is what drives you, and, and, and if it is, it, it'll be easy to buy into in the rest of the OA season deep, deep shit for a while. <laughs> 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 but, but I mean, I, I am I, I'm passionate, especially if there's you know younger younger coaches who, who listen, you know that that it, it's important to understand that everyone's journey is going to be different, and it's not about us. I, I'm John. I'm telling you, I, I never thought about the next job. I've had three head coaching jobs, and I, I promise you that I just never did. I never thought about like moving up or. I mean, I I, I just. Because I was just happy to be a head coach, right? I mean, I just wanted to coach, and and people may not believe that. I mean, but it's it is the God's honest truth, and 
uh, you know, a great story is I have almost my whole team coming back. We go 20 and four at Rootstown and, and, you know, we, we make it to the regional semifinals, lose to St. Joe. And, uh, you know, most of those guys, 90% of my team's coming back. I can't wait. Well, the Jackson job opened. And at the time, you know, Amy and I are having our first of five children and I'm driving 45 minutes, you know, back and forth every morning to Rootstown. Well, Jackson opened up and I didn't even think about it whatsoever. And then it's it's open two weeks, and it's the last Friday, and and I know you remember this name, Frank Lapica. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, you know, sir. Coach at Walsh. I used to go to his camps, and and I didn't know where he called me. He goes, Mike, are you gonna are you gonna put in for that job at Jackson? I'm like, Coach, I, there's no chance I'm getting that job. You know, Larry Taylor is, was a god there. You know, and I, I, I'm that's a huge school, and he's like, I think you you need to call. So I did, you know, I, I, it was a, in the athletic director at the time. I, I never, never met him. His name was Terry Peterson. I remember a man from the phone. He goes, hold on, Mike. And he shuts the door. He goes, I was, we were waiting for you to call. And I'm like, oh, well, that's, that's a good start. right? <laughs> and this is, this is before Twitter and, and all those things. But what our paper it can does is it, it'll list who applies, you know, and, um, and I begged them, please don't put my name in there. I don't want my guys I, I, to even, to even know I'm doing that like most coaches long story short you know there's there's a pretty good coach in Zanesville right yeah. named Scott, Scott Errol, Errol. Who, not bad right you know who is uh who wants the job as well so I'm going through it I'm in the final three like I, I know there's zero chance not only is he coming I think he's bringing one of his sons who is like a division one player he jumps out of the gym so I'm just kind of you know, whole humming it around, and so I get the call. They're like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna offer it to Scott, but we're not real sure he's gonna take it." Well, I'm like, "Why? Well, he should take it. I think it's the right thing to do." So my wife, it's the it's my last interview, and uh, it's it's like at six o'clock at night. Well, the night before, my wife goes into labor, and <laughs> about ten in the morning, we have our son Anthony. And at 11, her grandmother dies, who I'm very close with. So I, I'm like a wreck, right? I'm a, I'm a wreck, and it's like 2 in the afternoon, and I call Terry, and I'm like, Terry, hey, I, I know you got your guy. Like, I'm just spent, man. I love where I'm at. You know, I don't really want to go anywhere. And he said, Mike, you, you have to come. Please just come for 45 minutes. I'm telling you, please come. So he must have known something. So I tell my wife, I go in. You know, I'm I'm wrinkled. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure I match. And it's the, all the board members, and, and I walk in, and they look at me, and I just smile, and you know, we have a little conversation. And I looked at him. I'm like, listen, I have a great job. Like, please, you know, you're, you're going to hire the right guy. I said, if something happens, then 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 call me. And um, and then ironically, that you know, he didn't want the job, and uh. The toughest day in coaching I've ever had was our, our superintendent and principal come. They come up to my classroom at Rootstown. You know, you know this. You think something bad happened, right? Something this isn't good. Yeah. Well, they they say, hey, Jackson's on the phone. They're going to ask you the job, and I'm like, I don't think I'm taking it. They're like, I, Mike, I think you you should take it. And then calling now, John, I, I had every player and their girlfriend in my room for every lunch. <laughs> for two years, I mean, we just, you know, it was like the breakfast club in there, you know, and, and 
and just for us to talk, you know, we, we were, we were that close and, and, and to take them down into the cafeteria and have to tell them, you know, I preach family and here's what I'm doing. I'm leaving you. Right. I'm, I'm thinking about myself before I'm thinking about you. And it was a difficult thing. Needless to say, I didn't have a lot of visitors the next few weeks and that hurt. And then by, by the time the fourth week came around, they started slowly coming back in and, um, you know, and then started that journey at Jackson. But if it wasn't for that two year period, I, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I just wouldn't because I loved it so much and I would always go back to it in a heartbeat, no matter what. That's how much I enjoyed it. And I like I actually hadn't heard that story. I, I, I got to be in the interest of full disclosure. I, I, I had caught you uh, on the teacher coach podcast earlier this spring or late in the spring, early summer, whenever you were on with TK. And, right. and, and, and I had heard you say that you, you, you never, you know, never looked for the next job. That that's one. It's fairly rare. Um, two, it's interesting to me how you talk a little bit about timing being important. And, you know, I, I just said this actually with, with Carl Creamer, we were talking, uh, in one of the podcasts we recorded, I'm a huge believer in the, in the saying that luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Right. Um, we don't control, right. Mike, we don't control a lot of things in life. In fact, we don't control much of, of anything in life. And the truth of the matter is, if, if if that's the truth, and we don't control things, then the best thing we can do is be prepared, and sure. and be ready. And and so, I guess that's kind of leads to my next question. You know, you, you had some success at Rootstown. You, you're a head coach at the age of, of 27, which is relatively young, uh, when you consider that now it seems like that's fairly common. But 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 20 years ago, maybe not so much. Right. Um. And and so. In the middle of all of that whirlwind of what you were dealing with, was there ever a point in time when you when you literally or at any point quite thought to yourself, am I ready for a job that big? Oh, you know, I, I had doubts as I was going in for the interview. And then my dad made the mistake of telling me <laughs> that he goes, Mike, you're, you're not going to get that job. <laughs> so that that was that was the mistake. So then I was all in. Right. That, you know, that's. That's the one thing that I, I if you tell me I'm not going to do something, you know, then I go into a little different gear. And especially with him, you know how that goes. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so that um, that kind of got me going. And then when I was there, now I, I should go back briefly. I, I, I learned so much as a as an assistant coach under Mark Tinsley at Green High School. And, and I know people around here may not know a whole lot about green. They're in the federal league now, but he's one of the best high school coaches there is. I mean, they're tremendous. I think St. Ed's, I think uh, Eric beat him a couple years ago in the regional final or even semifinal. But, um, you know, and, and he taught me that he taught what you just said about being prepared. And there is no other person who prepared me more to be a head coach than him. I mean, he gave me the defense after three years, right? I had to break down film. He watched it. I had to grade every player every morning. Um, he he was a perfectionist, and that helped me along the journey. But to get back to Jackson, you know, I I, I remember one time that, and you know, back in the day, people were on on these on these chat rooms, and. Um, one of my assistant coaches was on it and, and I'm like, what are you reading? He goes, you don't want to read this stuff. And I just looked down there like this, you know, this guy, no chance he's going to make it here. 29 years old, 
you know, came from a small town, I coached at a small town, and I just, and I printed it off, right? <laughs> and I kept yeah, it yeah. because I don't even know who, you know, Blogger 57 is, but <laughs> obviously that's what some people think. And, you know, that was my motivation. You know, that was my motivation. And, and then I said, okay, uh, this is important too for a lot of younger coaches. I blocked out every single noise. If my assistants were on the blog, if I caught them reading anything, like I, I told them that it was the only way I'd ever be disappointed in them. You know, I, I wanted to be in a bubble and a tunnel when it comes to coaching. So I didn't have to deal with, with anything. I just wanted to coach. And, and that's what saved me at Jackson because you are in a fishbowl, right? If you're in, in a, in a big town and, a, and basketball is very important. And, um, you know, if I would have listened to what was all the noise around, then then we would have never have won because I don't know if I was strong enough then to to block it all out, right? So sure, but I did, John. I'm telling you, <laughs> I blocked everything out. I was respectful to people, but I never let them in. You know, maybe a couple here and there, uh, but but that's how what made me be be a better coach because our players when they left that the day of practice knew where we stood, knew where they stood. They understood everything. And and that's all that mattered to me. And and because in my mind, I would take a bike and ride it 40 miles if I had to back to Richtown or a school just like that and be perfectly happy. And that's what kept my mindset, you know, always, always focused on, on what was the task at hand. I, I find it fascinating that, the, the freedom that you have and create for yourself when you're able to say, I can go back where I was and be happy. Right. I, I, that, that I wasn't unhappy there. I didn't have to leave and I can go back. I, you know, to, in some people's eyes, you know, Hey, Roots Towns is a small town, small school. That's the bottom of the coaching ladder for a guy like yourself. And, and to have the, the, the freedom and the peace inside of yourself to say, if I end up back at the bottom, I'm going to be a pretty happy guy. Uh, that that's got to give you an ability to 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 breathe and coach aggressively and loose with with, a, with without being cautious or on eggshells or looking over your shoulder and that's missing for a lot of coaches at a lot of levels. Absolutely, and I and you know I think TK or maybe Scott even asked me that question you know about administration and, and you know things like that and, and I didn't want to come off you know as as someone who was like this standoffish guy i mean i was in everyone's classroom i was the clown of the school right i mean we had a blast but when it came to our basketball team and decisions based on that basketball team there there was there was no discussion i just wasn't going to do it you know i i I put it in my mind i'm going to do it the way i think it should be done with the people i think who should help me do it and and that's it and then if that's not good enough we say help you know we we gave it a whirl and and we tried as best as we can. The word you used was freedom. What a great word, you know, and when you're coaching with freedom, you're not thinking about every issue, every player, every parent who may be upset. I, I remember this to go back to Roostown. This is, this is a good story for some coaches too, is uh, it's my, my first year at Roostown. We may be like 11 and one, right? We're flying high. I mean, I think I'm the next John Wooden. I'm walking into school. <laughs> yeah, my tie's straight. And I remember coming from lunch one day during the season. You know, we're on a roll, maybe one like eight in a row. I go to my mailbox. I get this letter that says Coach Freeland. I'm like, huh, 
Here we go. Already getting some fan mail. How about that? (laughs) I I open up the letter, and it is a handwritten letter, front and back, from my grandpa, from one of the players on our team. I think he was a he was a junior, and and back then we pressed and ran and jumped, and and we played eleven guys, and and sometimes twelve, and he was twelve. Incredible (laughs) student, great young man, and this grandpa is like calling me out you know, a little bit. And I mean, I'm devastated. I, I find his number and, and I asked our principal, I, I got to go meet him at McDonald's. The principal looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> he goes, okay, go ahead. I call him, you know, we, we sit down and, and we drink coffee and, and the guy is emotional. He goes, Mike, how do you, you know, it's just hard, you know, to, to see everyone having a good time of playing and, and he's not. Now I'm a father. I know exactly how he felt, right? I knew exactly, you know, I thought I knew how he felt, but now being a dad and, and the love you have for them, yes, I understand 100% how he felt. And the lesson I learned is when I drive home, even after a win versus Ohio Northern, we're on the bus, there are people who are still upset with me. Mm. So I used to play the game of my mind on the drive home, like, all right, who's drinking a beer, cursing me out right right now because there's always going to be, you know, one or two guys and and those families, but I don't blame them. I'm I'm not negative towards that. Like I understand, but that's the the path that we choose as coaches. We just have to accept some of that, you know, along the way. And it's hard. And I let that drive home, you know, I let it just sink in and then I let it go and we move on to the next day. Because deep down, like I told the grandpa, I said, you may not agree with, with me and some of the decisions that I make as a coach, but hopefully you never have that same feeling as how I'm going to treat your, your your grandson and help him become a man. And he said, absolutely not. I, I, I believe that. And I said, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And, and you know, Coach, I, I've said this for a long time. It's not true in every case, but it's true far more often than people would accept that it's true. Instead of going to the AD or going to the university president or going to the board or whoever it is you go to to complain about a coach, just call the coach and ask him if he'll meet with you and bring your bring your complaints. Because far more often than not, coaches have become dads or they've done it long enough that even if they aren't fathers, they they can start a conversation with you're the dad and I'm going to I need to hear what you have to say. And I and, and they will. They'll respect it. And it doesn't mean you have to agree. It doesn't mean you have to reach a, a solution that's that's favorable to anybody. Right. Um, but, my, my, my rule was this, John. If you want to meet with me, then you, you have to be prepared of what you're going to hear. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because I'm going to tell you, like, I mean, I'm trying to to hide some of these things and, and try to make you, you know, everything happy and things like that but if you want to sit out like we're going to sit down and it's going to be a very open conversation and just understand that may go in different directions you know and and i think that's all you could do as a coach do you do you know steve willeman at all retired coach from liberty benton high school yeah oh man he had some of the best i think i stole half of his sets when i was coaching back in the day well if you stole half of them you had a good two and a half notebooks full. (laughs) But he he told me one time that that he said, John, it's pretty common in my neck of the woods that early in the season, people aren't very happy with how we do things. We're pretty hard on the guys. We're pretty demanding. It's a little rough at the start of every season. And he said, I had a mom come into the office, wanted to meet with me. And 
or scrimmage season maybe or game one or game two. And he said, he, he said, I never usually agreed to it, but I agreed to it. She came in and she said, you don't give my son any confidence at all. And, and yeah. he, he said, I listened to her and he said, I, I looked her right in the eye and I said, okay, I'll accept that. I'll, I'll own that. That's on me because here's what else is going to happen. When your son starts playing really well for us and he's going to, cause he's good. You're going to tell everybody I did it. <laughs> He said, you can leave here and tell him I don't give him any confidence and I won't say a word. But when he starts rolling and he will, I get the credit. I love it. I love it. I'm stealing that one. Yeah, absolutely. File that away because that's good stuff. That's great. So I got one more question about your, your, your time at Jackson. I could We could do a podcast on, on just that time. but sure. And forgive me if I don't remember the details because it was just me as a fan being in Columbus. But here, here's what I remember. You guys came to Columbus with a really good team, but you weren't supposed to win. <laughs> that, that would be correct. You weren't supposed that to win. Be. You weren't supposed to win the semifinal, probably, and you sure as hell weren't supposed to win the whole thing. Yeah, now, yeah. when I saw your team play, I'm not sure how anybody beat you all year. Now, maybe it's because <laughs> maybe it's because those two days you had peaked, and that was the best you ever were. But, but talk about getting to Columbus in your time at Maslin Jackson, and and then winning in the way you did with that group. Yeah. So when we, you know when we got there, Larry. You know, Larry had had such a different philosophy, and it was great. I mean, he was in Columbus twice. He won almost 400 games, right? And he had an amazing, you know, UCLA offense, matchup zone defense. I mean, it was unbelievable. And they were big and strong and and had some really good players. You know, mine was different. You know, we were going to come in. I was a pressing type of coach, a run and jump coach, you know, after watching Dave Close and the Snow teams all those years. And, um, I, I thought that's how we were going to play there. Well, we didn't really have – I had a bunch of football guys who were who were tough and strong, and we just had to change the culture. You know, we went from nine wins to, I think, 11 wins to 15 wins to 19 wins, and then, the, you know, a state champ wins. So it was a process. I mean, it, it was a process. But knowing that those younger classes were pretty good and we had size, right? I mean, in high school, if you know you have a big kid, you, you have you celebrate with a, with a, a vino at night or maybe <laughs> yeah. a beer because that, that usually isn't going to hurt you. So yeah. um, as we got into that 2009-2010 year, the summer, John, the summer we went to Ohio State, Michigan, Wheeling, like we went everywhere and we won and we beat everyone. And it was the, the Ohio State team camp, and we wanted to play on the main floor. Well, they had all the big dogs right on there. That's when Solinger and Northland and those guys. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at the bracket, and this is the type of team that I had. I said, hey, we're, we're playing in the Oxygens. The only way we can get to the main floor is if we get to the championship game. And my point guard, Brad DuPont, looked at me and goes, well, it looks like we're getting to the championship game. So, I mean, it's in the middle of June. Like, kids are probably wanting to go to the fair, right, and do some things. These dudes were locked, like slapped in the face, locked. It's June. So we start we start pounding teams. And I think we played Northland in, in the championship game, uh, you know, on the main floor. And, and we win. We play really well. We make shots. You know, we, we win the game. And I brought them all to the side. I go, listen, I think, and I'm making, like, the whole story I've talked to them. I think we are the visitors if we are in the state championship. I think that's where our fans will be. And, and one of my assistants plays around and goes, no, I think you're right. I think they're over there. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I think they're over there. I said, everyone just visualize it. Like, that's, this is where we're going to be. Like, we're going to be here. 
you know, in seven months, and that's where they're going to sit. And it was one of the best summers I've ever had because we we went to Michigan the following week, won the whole thing, two hundred something, won the whole thing. John Beeline follows us every game, and then asks us after we win it to play his walk-on freshman, like like the really good ones, you know, come Tim Hardaway Jr. Those oh, guys. Yeah. And and we said okay, and we play, we lose in overtime, and I'm like, hey man, what a great battle! And, same point guard like kicks me in the gut. He goes, "Don't say that. We should have kicked their ass, coach." And I'm like, "This is this is when you know it's gonna. We have a chance, right?" Yeah, yeah. But but John, we start the year and and we're winning, but we don't play well at all. We go down to San Diego for a Christmas. It's like top eight teams. You know, I think all all of us were ranked in the top forty or whatever fifty. We were probably ranked the last. Well, we win. We beat. Um, uh, a team out of Washington the first game. We'd be Chartier's Valley with T.J. McConnell the second game in overtime. To play Menor out of all people, that's who we play in the wow. championship game in San Diego. And they had a shot clock. And, you know, we're up, we're down. It's a great game. We lose in overtime. So in the hotel room, I'm fit to be tied. These guys, are, they're getting lazy. They're driving me nuts. And um, we, we, we end up coming back. We beat McKinley at the field house. And then we play Canton Timken, and, and we're down like nine, at, and it's a packed house at Jackson and sold out. And at halftime, I'm not a big yeller and screamer. I mean, I take a stool and I try to break it. And, you know, of course it doesn't break. And my guys still tell me about that to this day. And, and I lose my mind and just tell them how disappointed, like, this is it. This is your last year's, and this is how you're going out. I mean, I screamed so loud, I lost my voice. We come out, we go dunk, dunk. We end up winning the game by 15, 16 points. And then that journey really started in, in late January and, and kind of led us in, into into March. And, um, you know, we had scares all the way through. We won by two uh, to North Cannon, the championship. That was a big hump we had to get over. Um, and then we, we beat Akron East, who, who was fabulous with, with uh, uh, uh uh, four or five seniors from Akron who were just relentless and and a great coaching on their staff. We win by two or three, and then we play play um, Toledo St. John, and we go triangle and two, baby, <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, you know kind of disrupt them a little bit, and, and we win the game. And uh, you know I'm happy, man. We get to Columbus, but we know what's waiting. The number one team of the country, right? In Columbus Northland, and our manager kind of tasked me as coach. They lost. I said, no, they didn't. He goes, they lost. I'm like, well, damn, the team that beat them must've been pretty good too. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they were, you know, Stevie Taylor and Gahanna Lincoln was the semifinal game. But at that point we, we were in, in such a groove, John, like I, you know, I, I have to send you a couple of, we had a reporter kind of follow us all the way through and, and just how loose our guys were. They were just so loose. And, and so was I, you know what I mean? Like it was just, we were more depressed that it was our last weekend together than like caring about winning. And like, we just didn't, you know, at that point, you're going to do what you do. You're going to try to take away some of the things the other team does, but we just want to like spend time together. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that coach. Cause I, and this is hell, this is ancient history for most people. But when I was a student assistant at Northern, we, we won a national title in 93 and, and yep. jo- Jody May, who's the, the head coach at Albion, uh, Jody was one of my best friends in college, and and I can remember Jody being the guy like practices 
always on game days, like the game would finish and, and we'd get to the locker room. And before we broke, he would always say, team, whoever is, is next. Let's get ready to roll. And right. that's how we left the gym after a win was we're on to what's next. And I remember getting to, to Buffalo and, and winning in the semifinal and thinking, all right, well, we're going to play in the final and whatever happens, we don't get to talk about who's next. <laughs> like we're, we're done. And, and, and Jody even talked about it. Like it was winning the national title is the most exhilarating feeling I've had in, in basketball probably. But there was a part of, we don't get to be together tomorrow. That oh, kind of, that kind of sucked. It's deflating, deflating. And, you know, I'm glad someone else felt like that other than me, you know, and, um, you know, we get to the championship game. We all know Moeller and how good they are. And, um, you know, just a quick story. I just had a group of dudes. We took minivans down there because that's what we did in the summer. We thought that would be cool. I mean, I got like a 6'8", 6'7". We're driving in three <laughs> minivans that the cheerleaders decorated. I mean, we're pulling in the back of Value City. Here comes Moeller and their big bus and with ties. And, and before we leave to get on, we're like five minutes away, right, in the hotel. And our guys – come to me like an hour before they're like coach can we just get changed here and and, and carry our shoes <laughs> you know me yeah. and i'm like i'm like yeah that sounds fine so here we come full uniform getting off these little vans and, carry, and, and sandals and, and just carrying our shoes and you know we just one of our guys looked at me and here comes Muller. we're walking in they probably are like what is going on here you know <laughs> but that's when when i knew because our big guy looked at me goes coach we're going to kick their ass. I said, okay, baby. <laughs> and, you know, and we played, we, we did, we played well. I think we went on, you know, uh, like a 26 to, to 0 run to start the third quarter. And, um, you know, I, I really, that game happened so fast. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you, you want to try to remember it all. And, and it's just hard to remember it. But, but I do remember the feeling afterward of not going into the locker room one last time because you know they take you you cut nets you're doing interviews and then they take you for this little pep rally and we didn't get a chance to just come together one more time and and you know that was kind of upsetting um but my goodness when you want to talk about a parade and and, and people and making people feel good right it's Absolutely. like a wedding i mean yeah. making people feel good and, and i remember how good people felt and that made me feel really good too well, and that's that's absolutely right. That's a great way to dovetail into what we'd already talked about because there isn't anything like experiencing that. And, and what I found always enjoyable about it, and I'm down at state tournament every year and, and or at least try to be, and, you know, I, they always talk a lot. And I'm from a small town. Hell, I grew up in Alger, and I went to school at Northern, and my first coaching job was at Ada. And, and I'm small yeah. town through and through, and I hear all the time about how great it is when those small town schools – get down there in division threes and division fours, the crowd's always great. And my statement is for about six years or eight years, I called the division one final for radio uh, down at, at state tournament every year. Right. And, and I can remember thinking all the time, I'm looking at these people's faces. This, this, these aren't small towns, but these are some really happy ass people. I don't, I don't okay. I think we're shortchanging how good it feels for everybody. Right. Uh, you know, just, just because the whole community maybe isn't there. I, it's still it, it's unbelievable how special that event is and i'm biased i'm a basketball guy hell it, you know my, the, i know people and i got friends who don't understand why we do that every spring they don't get it but uh, uh you know yeah. I, I get it and, and and i love it and what i'd like to do is take our break and then as i've said on this podcast before it, it, 
all good things must come to an end. Sometimes some better stuff just comes along. And I want to get into your Mount Union journey because I really want to I really want to let you tell that story and get into some things about your college experience. Absolutely. All right. We'll take a quick break. So segment two, Coach, I, I want to get into um, what you said early in the podcast. You know, you watch the watch the Final Four on TV, and we all kind of dream and think, yeah, that'd be fun. I'd like to do that. And 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 for some people, that's what college coaching is. For those of us who who live the coaching thing a little bit and have the passion in it, college coaching isn't about the TV, and it's not about although that stuff's wonderful. Making the move to college coaching is a big deal. Doesn't matter where you go. So. You talked early on about not ever looking for that next job. I have never heard this story in detail. Um, I've heard a little bit when I listen to some podcasts, but I, I talk about what the whole circumstance was that that led to you having the opportunity even to get to Mount Union. Well, I mean, so after that 2010 season, um, the irony was we had a group of juniors that year. Who, who hardly got the play and they were good. I mean, like really good. And I mean, I was looking forward to that following year and, and, um, with just to share it with those guys. And, uh, we had, we had a blast, man, but that was, that was a satisfying year. We went 20 games again the following year or 19 or 20. I forget what it was and win the league, you know, and with a group of guys who really didn't play, you know, they had, a, they were behind those guys. But when you practice against a group like that, right. I mean, you're just going to get better, better and better every single day. Um, so at the end of that season, one of my players, Stevie Griffin, um, who, who was a good, really good player. Well, Mount Union was recruiting him, And I remember being at home and I th- think I just got out of the shower and um, Stevie's dad, uh, Steve Senior called me and said, Hey, I think, you know, I think they just made a coaching change. I think they, they, you know, uh, are, are going to let go of, of the coach, uh, you know, at Mount Union. And I said, don't, you know, that's okay. You know, it's a great school. Don't worry about it. They'll find somebody, you know, good to fill, fill that role. And, and that's kind of like, it literally was the only conversation. Well, like the next two days I had some board of trustees, uh, just email me. I mean, I didn't know anybody there. I mean, John, I didn't play division three, right. I had no connection whatsoever, uh, to, to those things. And, um, so I, I said, oh, well, let me at least look into it. So I talked to our superintendent and, and, you know, Jackson was great as it got deeper in the conversation. They, they said, listen, Mike, we obviously want you to be here forever. And, you know, here's what we can do for you. I said, it's not leverage. I don't want anything else, you know. I mean, <laughs> maybe some free wings, you know, at, at, at Game Day Grill where we used to go. But um, it was more about, hey, we, we want to follow you to this. You know, let's let's see maybe your journey can go in a different direction. So I I, I was one of, I think, three uh, that, that got called and interviewed. And, and before I did, you know, I called – Larry Karras, right? The AD there and obviously winning his football coach there is. And I had never spoke to him before. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is really what I want to do. And he went into great detail of, you know, having five children and getting some free tuition would go an awful long way. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> yes, sir. And, and it stuck with me. And I, I'm like, well, that's, that's true too. You know, when you start talking about dollars and cents, because obviously none of us are getting, 
to be millionaires, you know, coaching division three basketball. But, um, but I went on the interview and it was so intense, John, like it's so intense. They had it where I, I had to break down game film about a week prior and, and present a, uh, you know, a, a scouting report. Um, our, our woman's coach, Susie, who's a great friend of mine, a great coach. She, she had organized this whole thing. And so I, I walk into the room and this is in five minutes. And my wife had it was with me. She had to come with me. And I'm like, all right. So I have the men's team on one side, the women's on another. And, you know, it's on the screen. And, and we just broke down a scouting report and, and how we were going to guard and do those things. And I didn't even know. I had studied the roster so much and watched so much film. I mean, I knew these. It was it was the women's team. I knew these women by name. Like, I'm looking at them, right, and calling them by name. Wow. And they had this look on my face like, who in the hell is this guy? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I go, all I've been doing is looking at watching you guys for, like, six hours a day, you know, to try to figure out everything that you're doing. And so that was the first part of it. And then, you know, I had to show a drill on the floor. Then I had to meet with alum and then I had to meet with assistant coaches. Um, and then I had to, uh, you know, meet with, with Larry and the president. And so it was a two day interview. But while I was interviewing, cause I didn't really think I was going to get it, but, but more importantly, I, I didn't know if I wanted it. But when I walked to campus and, and met the people that I had met um, and met some of the players that Lee had recruited who were tremendous young men, uh, I, I just kind of felt, man, this this would be pretty cool. You know, I taught English the last 15 years. and uh, You know, this would be different. Like, I, I'm going to miss that. And I did. Like, it was weird not having a bell tell you where to go and, uh, you know, eating the lunch in 10 minutes. You know, yeah. It was, yes. it, it was yeah, all, all those things were kind of strange, but, um, you know, but they, they called me and, and it was the last interview and Larry said, Hey, bring all your kids with you. And, and I did. And they're little, you know, little at the time. And he just looked at me, he goes, you, you're going to, you're going to be here for as long as you want, man. This is going to be a great fit for you. I said, are you like offering me the job? And, and he said, yeah. He said, I think this is, this is the right place for you, the right time. And, um, uh, and I was, uh, you know, I drove home with my wife. I go, what do you think? She goes, you know, let's, let's do it. And, you know, again, having to tell Jackson and, and having to teach class there and then leave school, go straight to mouth to try to recruit. And I swear it rained every day in April that year. Look at it. I, I, mean, it, I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, but that's kind of literally how that shook out. Now I can tell you that very, very few if any athletic directors are going to take a chance on a high school coach like Larry did, but it took someone like Larry, right. With who, who is just doesn't care. He's going to do what he thinks is best and not worry about where someone's been or, you know, where they played and all of that. So, you know, that jump is, is rare just because, you know, I didn't have the background in division three. Right. Uh, but he took a chance on me. And I remember telling him to that day, like, listen, man, I don't know how many games we're going to win, but I promise I won't disappoint you. I'm not going to make you look bad, you know, and, and I meant that. And I still mean it to this day. And that's how I kind of, um, you know, go about our, our business. I'm out. But, you know, it's not a very exciting story. You know, it's just it's an old school story, John. Like, you know what I mean? Like people don't that used to happen. 20 years ago right absolutely really really good high school coach and 
Uh, if you're good enough, you got to go to college. But you know, times have changed so much when it when it comes to that. When I talk to young coaches who ask me about those things, I just just like be really, really, really good where you're at, and and you don't know what's going to happen. But for someone to take a chance, um, you know, hopefully, you know, guys guys like me who have who have coached high school, you know, and have have moved up can be a, a door that opens. Uh, for other coaches coming through because to me it makes sense i knew every coach in three counties right played against them drank beers with them right like i had relationships with all those people and if they have a good player they're calling me and so this, i mean that's that's what yeah. it was yeah it's absolutely about, it's about relationships and i had great ones and, and still to do to this day uh, this this is going to hit a little close to home for people who know me but i there are too many times uh, Mike, in, in the college level, when when the decision about a coaching job is getting made because of what we want our profile to look like, sure. uh, what we want, you know, what we want to create as our reputation academically, or where, you know, coaching, coaching, it's about teaching the game, it's about building relationships, and about de- developing young men and young women, and 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 I think you need to find people that do that well. And I don't, and, and if you close off certain avenues, you're just being closed-minded, and that's a bad idea. But you said about four things about your interview story that jumped out at me. The, the first thing you said was that you had to break down Susie's game film and put together a scouting report. So if you can tell me when and why they switch the presses that they do and how often they're, <laughs> then that'd be valuable information that I could sell to people. <laughs> John, I, I'm, I'm being honest. It took me like till day three to figure it out. But, but I think that kind of impressed her, right? I mean, I think it kind of did. Sure. Um, you know, just, just knowing, you know, not had ever watched them before and just kind of being like, Oh, I get it now, you know? And, and now she's changed a little bit during, during over the years, sure, but, sure. uh, but it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was like a, like a chemistry problem. <laughs> like, Mich- what in the heck are they doing? <laughs> Michelle Duran, um, Michelle Duran used to say all the time to us in staff meetings, she'd say like, no, look, we can tell our players that if they make a three, it's going to be this press, or if they score in a paint, it's going to be this press, or if they score that do we want them worrying about that or do we just prepare for at least right. one press and get really ready? <laughs> and get really ready. Yeah. And, and, and there's something to be said about it. I mean, there really is. And, um, but that was, that was a, a challenge. I mean, it, it really was. And, um, and I know we'll get into it deeper, but, but, that's kind of what I had to go through in year one. Well, sure. you, you also mentioned getting to run a drill on the floor for a coaching interview. That's not happening for high school coaches right. uh, very right. often. The third thing you said that jumped out at me was you just talked about Larry's leadership. And, and, and again, I'm biased about the things I hear because of the sources where I get them. But Joe Campoli is, is like a father to me. Uh, he yes. is he is my mentor. I spent two years as, as Coach Doherty's student assistant and two years as Coach C's. Um, I don't have any more respect for a human being than I have for Coach. And, and when he talks to me with the reverence that he speaks about Larry Karras, I'm sold. I've never met the man. Right. I don't know him at all. Right. Well, I mean, well, you, you have a pretty darn good mentor there too. And my Italian little friend, he, he emails me every season <laughs> before the, right before the year. I hope you win them all, Mikey, except, except two, you except know, two, and, yep. except two, you know, so, um, but, you know, I think when you look at both of those guys, you, you, you look at success, right. Yep. And then you start looking at why, and they probably wouldn't have bought it really differently, to be honest with oh, you. Oh, certainly. You know, there's, there's different ways to, to lead. Um, there, there's different ways ways to do things. But then you come into a point in your life where you're just 
comfortable with who you are. I, I'll never forget. He told me, he goes, I'm watching. I, I think we were watching some Villanova, you know, the four out one in stuff. And he walks in, he goes, you know, when are you ever going to have confidence to start, you know, creating things on your own? And I looked at him, he goes, he goes like, why still everything? Make it up. You know what you're doing. And then he turns around and he walks out. I'm like, and it was stuff like that for, for nine years. Like he just would just drop, you know, some, another, some other choice words in there, you know, but, um, but when you have the open-mindedness and freedom to do, to do what you know and feel is right. It with because he's earned the trust of everybody there to make a decision, like hiring a high school guy, right? Then you tend to, to make better decisions. You, you just do. And, and the way I would relate it is, you know, me taking the Jackson job and not giving a crap that if I, they fire me the next year, I can go find a, a school that I was comfortable at just yeah. as much, yeah. you know, and I think that's how the hiring process went. And when I, after I sat with him for five minutes, I knew that's kind of how it was going to go, uh, that he was going to be open-minded to it. And, um, you know, and, and he, and he, he did seek me out. I mean, and that was, that was an honor in and amongst itself. Well, and, and certainly, and, and, and I think again, for some of our listeners who maybe are, are really strictly high school basketball fans or high school basketball coaches, even, uh, I think there's a, a sometimes a lack of awareness that when a Division three job opens, you don't have to go look for people. You're going to get 120 applications. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> more than, even more than that, right? I mean, even more than that. Yeah. It's, so yeah, it's so, so know, knowing what the process can look like and having the uh, foresight, the belief, and, and, and the courage to, to go out and kind of tab a guy that you're interested in when it's not traditional – um, you know, some people call that risk taking. And I, I just think it, it, it may be from the outside look like a risk. But what it really is, is a supreme belief in what in, in how he sees things and evaluating by his principles. That's that's that, to me, having that kind of confidence is what makes a guy Larry Carrots. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And that's you know, that's why he is who he is, you know, and um, um, and I'm forever, forever grateful for that opportunity. So the, the fourth thing you said, and this is just strictly because it made me laugh, uh, not having to eat lunch in 10 minutes. I, oh. for, for those of us that spend our life around the high school scene, it's like a 30 minute lunch is is it's legitimate. you got to be done and in your classroom before the 30 minutes is up. And, and, and when you get a chance to realize that there's actually a real lunch hour in this world, if you want there to be. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, my first lunch at Mount Union, we have this little B&B cafe, and, and, and Larry took me and, and my assistant. And, um, you know, and he's like on bite one, and I'm done. <laughs> and, and, and he he's like, Michael, what, what are you doing? I'm like, Coach, this is going to take a minute. Like, I have never sat down for a lunch for like – an hour before like had conversation it just it just doesn't really happen that way you know and oh. he started laughing and you know a cool thing happened our, our president at the time uh president Gisu, who was a tremendous tremendous president um his wife was a former teacher and i'm in the office it's like i'm three weeks in in the fall and uh she calls me i'm like oh what did I do? You know, your head's, you know, and she's like, Michael, I'm checking up on you. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing well. She goes, seriously. She goes, how weird is it? I'm like, this is the strangest thing I've ever, you know, you, because uh, literally a bell tells you where to go. And like, it just, you know, you you have a schedule, you, you go here to there, a bell, and then 
they leave and you do the same thing every single day. And to kind of be in control of your own day took a while. It really did. I mean, it was it was tough to get used to. You know, I'm used to talking to kids and messing with teachers and, you know, having fun. And, you know, it was it was it was kind of a lonely time. It was different. But but man, not to have to grade another English paper was that <laughs> was well worth it. <laughs> Amen. <you> Amen. <laughs> I feel you on that. Uh, and I got to ask, you know, when you're going through that interview process and you, you described what was a pretty impressive interview and, and that you did well, you prepared yourself well. Was there any part of you interviewing for that job where somebody on the committee was uh, cynical, was doubtful about the transition from high school to college? Well, funny that you ask, because, yes, there, <laughs> there was there, there was one person who, um, you know, it's it's kind of late in the night and later in the afternoon and, or evening. And, you know, we had been at it for about three or four hours and. and you know, I think it's going well, you know, and she asked me, she goes, what makes you think, you know, that you can recruit? And I think that's a fair question, right? That would, that would be the one that would make me, that would make me the most nervous in that prospect is I can't tell you what my, I, I don't know. How do I, how do I give you a recruiting philosophy when I don't really necessarily have one yet? Well, John, that's, I'm, I'm like, listen, and, and you know, I just, I, I don't know if I him hot or out. I said, well, there's no really book on how to recruit. I go, here's what I'm going to tell you is that I'm going to be myself, I'm going to tell you what we believe in, and that's either going to be good enough or it's not. And she kind of kept pressing on that, and, and you know, and I just kept going. But I remember on the way home, like, man, I mean, you know, she doesn't like me or something else is going on. And, but, I mean, she was just trying to be fair. So the next day, I'm at a lunch, and, and she asked me another question. She goes, are you sure you're ready for a step like this? And I finally put my fork down. I said, you know, I just came from a high school that we sold out the last two year, years of, you know, 2,500 people in the stands every single game. Played in a state championship game with fifteen to 20,000 people. I go, the last time I checked, I was at a mock game. There was 41 people in the stands. <laughs> I said, I, I, I looked there. I go, I, I'm fairly certain if there's anything that I'm ready for that for, for that challenge. <laughs> And she didn't like that and kind of got up and left, but, but everyone else liked this. Obviously. So, uh, yeah. So, it, you know, and, and, and that is, I mean, John recruiting, everyone has their own recruiting method. Right. And, and there's some that I, you know, despise and there's some, like, I, I just have always believed that if I'm recruiting your son, you know, we're very selective on and who we bring on campus just because, we want to know the family. We want to know what we're getting ourselves into. Are they going to fit our system? Are they, you know, all those things have to go into place. And then it's like, it's not selling anyone. Like this is who we are. This is where we play. This is what we believe in. And that's a, I mean, that's a lengthy conversation, right? And, and, and not only one day over, over months of recruiting and that's either what you're looking for or it's not like, you know what I mean? Like, right. You have to go do what's good. I don't want to feel like you're doing me a favor for being here. Like, you know, we're, 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 we're not at that stage. Nor were we at, well, maybe my first year I begged a little bit. I'm not going to lie. But, <laughs> you know, but, um, but now you just kind of like, you know, this is what, this is what we do. Like, this is who we are. And, and your son will be a better person. I, I, I think coming here now, I mean, the coaches in our league, I mean, you got to be kidding me. I'd have my son play for all of them, all of them, without question. 
right? And, and feel good about it. Sure. So that's what makes it hard is that, you know, you got so many good people in our league, take away the coaching and, you know, and, and how hard they work. Just got great people that as a family, as a mother and father, as a grandparent, you want your son to be around. And then that's all we are. Like, you know, we want to be around a good people for four years. You want to win. You want to get their degree. You want to be a part of our family forever and ever. And it sounds bushy and simple. And it is, I mean, and you would be shocked how many times, you know, within 10 minutes that that's going to fit or when it's not like, if you're asking me, do you think I'm going to play as a freshman in the first 15 minutes? That's not what we are. Right. I mean, right. that's just not what our program is. We are based on depth trying to get five to six guys average double figures, right? And 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 kind of showing if you can play as a freshman, you're playing. If you can play as a senior, you're playing as a senior, and you're going to help us win. And nothing was more true than, than the season we had, um, you know, this past season. Well, and, and I don't want to go down too long of a rabbit trail because we're going to get into this season a little bit, but – just to illustrate that point. Now, again, I'm, I'm hearing stories that I, and I've never asked you about this. So I've heard stories, but you talk about a case in point of come here and be who we are and, 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 and see where you get at as a senior. Some kids buy that and, and, or some kids don't, but you had a young man on your team this year and, and I, I don't need to blow smoke up your ass, Mike. You, you know how good you, your team was exceptional. It was uh, they were they were the in, in my I, I I would have rather watched them play than anybody else in the league and, and I hated preparing for you guys and all that stuff but but I was kind of fascinated by Devonte Frigga I just yeah. you know he has this great social media presence and he's got all these YouTube followers and and it, because he just puts life out there he he does life in the 21st century the way young people do it but he's not pretentious about it Sure. And I love that. But what I really love is at least the story I heard was that when he when he went to Mount, he went to Mount with, hey, we're going to give you a black T-shirt and, and, <laughs> and then you, you can earn a practice jersey if you if you hang around. And and again, you had a player of the year in the league that wasn't him, but he was my favorite guy in the league and it wasn't close. Absolutely. Well, I think that story's been a little exaggerated, but I love it. If we can get more clicks for him, we're, we're doing it. But, but I mean, it is true. I mean, it, it, we did. He was not highly recruited uh, by us or anyone, quite honestly. And you know, you saw flashes once in a while. And and actually, you know, he when he was coming, we knew he was coming. But he played in an All Star game, and in Youngstown, and my uncle watched it, and he's like, Mike, he he's got some game to him now what people don't realize is Devontae Freya got better like he got better and better and better and he had a little chip on his shoulder because him and Nate were very close and there's a little rivalry there because Nate was our point guard for four years you know we gave him the ball and and that motivated Devontae very much um but when you talk about a selfless human being like I mean I knew for a fact and it bothered me kind of all summer that he he was one of the best players in the league and the best thing that he would be the only one who can handle coming off the bench for us and and not killing his ego because it was just kind of where we were with our guys and how to get the most out of you know who we had and whose confidence may be shook by not getting that starting job and the dude did it john oh like i I can't even like i can't and, and and hopefully we get into it a little bit but i'm gonna say it now like like you, I, I've been blessed to have talented people. Like this coaching thing is is, is about having really good players. <laughs> and anyone who's been on this podcast who is one and doesn't say that to you are lying. 
right? I mean, you have to have talented people. That's number one. But you also have to have selfless guys. I mean, I've coached a lot of years. and I haven't had that. It's not perfect. I haven't had that every single year I've coached. And, and as much as you try, you just don't have that connection, right? You just don't have those people who just want to be selfless. And and it hurts because they're still great dudes. And they're great dudes to this day. And I love them. But they couldn't make that jump. Whereas this group of guys did. And they did it because one of the leaders on this team said, hell, I'll come off the bench, coach, because I think that'll help us win. And it did. And, uh, you know, that's a great example. Tanner Slack's another great example. You know, Tanner Slack was 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 a great high school player, you know, and just kind of played minutes here and there. And he would get frustrated in his own way because he's so nice, you know, and uh, waited his turn, you know. And, and, and his senior year, he was tremendous for us defensively. And knew where everybody was, much more film than me, I think. And, and the same as Big John. They just kept getting better because they believed in each other. And we have, a, you know, I think a culture where we, where we want that to happen. We embrace it. We have those tough conversations. We tell them we love them and, and every day. You know what I mean? Like, and it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's, it's unnatural to put others before you in a sport. It just is. Who doesn't want their name in a paper and, 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 and you know, and, and those types of things. And when you have that, like we had in a team, and also have a team that's talented, you're, you're going to win a lot of games. It's just as simple as that. You, you use the word unnatural, Mike, and, and I, I don't care what you're talking about. I don't care if you're talking about business. I don't care if you're talking about a marriage. I don't care if you're talking about a team. I don't – if you're talking about something that is supremely successful, that's not natural. It doesn't just happen. You have to do some unnatural, extraordinary things to be special. And I've heard Devontae talk uh, about being a star in your role. Okay. Right. And, and, and yes. Devontae would have been a star no matter where he played in the Ohio Athletic Conference or maybe even a level above that if, if, if he'd had the opportunity you know, later. Sure. But he was going to be a star. He was willing to be a star in his role. And it, it actually created separation for your team from other good teams. I mean, Absolutely. It, Absolutely. It, it wasn't like you weren't beating good teams. I, you know, I, when you guys and Marietta go at it, that's that's exceptionally good basketball teams. And I think some of that be a star in your role thing that, that so many of your guys and Devontae was the leading example ball, it created that separation. Without question. I mean, without question. And it goes back to what we said earlier in the podcast. The freedom, right? The freedom of knowing I can go back to Rootstown. The freedom, Larry Karras, you know, hiring a high school guy. Well, it's also the freedom as a coach to know that your dudes have your back as a coach, right? I don't have to worry about the 97 different problems that could come up. I just worry about coaching, right? We, yeah. worry, we worried about coaching basketball and preparing for the next day. I mean, that's what we, we worried about. And when you can do that, it, your, your life is simpler and you just stay focused. Right. I mean, you just have a clear focus on what you want to get done. And, and at the same time, it's it's an amazing thing. You have a blast doing it. Right. It's just Absolutely. part of the journey. And it's an enjoyable journey. Yeah, I, I'm glad you say that now, because I can remember a, a conversation I was a participant in on the sidelines during pregame warm up at our place when you said fun. This isn't fun. It's fun in <laughs> April. <laughs> yes. you, are, you 
you are correct on that. That was probably in the middle of January. We yeah. just got through three hours of snow. And, yeah. And yeah, that, that was probably one of those days. For sure. Let, let, let's talk a little bit more about your team because I want to pull the curtain back here for just a second. I. When we were preparing to play you guys the first time, early in the season, first conference game, I think, we're, we're at your yeah. place. And, and I, I said to our full-time assistant, to Zach, during – because I, I work full-time job, drive to – and I live six miles from Ada, so I come back this way. And I sure. get to practice, and I've looked at a little film, and, and we're looking a little bit, you know, before practice. And then after practice, we're hanging around and looking a little bit more. And, and I said to, to Zach, I said, look, we, we won't do this this week. I know we won't because it's the first conference game and we'd look, you know, batshit crazy if we did it. But I said, file this away because I want to know if if we just let Bauer Malone just if we don't help off anybody and we make him get 60 to beat us, is that a viable strategy? And and Zach kind of looked at me and I said, I know it's crazy, but I know how good everybody and, and, and the reason I say that is because the last game you guys played, I think somebody did that. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did do that. And, uh, you know, when you watch Colin have 40, right, the night before, uh, you know, we, we certainly knew that was going to be their philosophy. Just watching the film, they would try to chase the guy around a little bit. And just how they were defending the ball screen. And, and, and Nate, thank goodness, his ankle felt good. And we just told him at lunch, I'm like, dude, you're going to get, like, any shot you want. And his eyes lit up. He goes, coach, I'm taking him. I'm like, because I never coached a guy for four years who, in my mind, never took a bad shot. Like, there was never a shot he took that I didn't think was going in. Right. And that's a, a great compliment. And just so happened, you know, they they kind of – and that – I mean, they're – Tremendous team and a, and a great and a, and a great coach as well. And um, but that was just the wrong the wrong night maybe to do that because he had fifty three. I think he was sixteen to twenty from the field, and um, you know I think he was just starting to feel really good, which is which is depressing, you know, to this day. But um, well, and I, I made the joke. I, I said, you know, if we'd have done that the first league game of the year, somebody might have had some film to say, yeah, that's not a good idea. <laughs> But it is amazing because as I, you know, my philosophy changed so much. I mean, our first year there, I mean, I, I'm telling you, I'd watch film and I, I would be devastated how bad I was as a coach. Like, you know, you go against Damon and he's running that offense. I'm like, what in the hell did I get myself into here? <laughs> and then you play John Carroll and it's 110 to 60. And I'm like, oh, you know, but what that made me do was just say, all right, we just got to recruit different types of guys. You know, you got you to recruit guys who can shoot it, uh, who can do it all, who can just kind of run and, and, and do it all as well. And, um, you know, but you got to get beat up a little bit to, to understand how to win, you know, especially in a conference like ours. Yeah, and, and I guess that could lead to a couple different questions for me because you just talked about having to recruit a different type of player. And so th this is kind of a, a two-sided question for me. Uh, one is how early in your, your, your coaching career at the college level, when you, when you got into recruiting, how long did it take you to, 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 I, I, I don't know how I want to ask this question where you watch a kid and, and you know, he's good enough to play for you. He might be good enough to play above you and you're going to chase him really hard. I, I think once, uh, the first year, John, truthfully, I mean, listen, the only way you're going to be successful in a league like ours is if you recruit over your head, you know what I mean? And, and, and you get guys to come 
uh, who who obviously can can play at, at maybe a higher level. Having said that, I I had a lot of guys the last two years who who played JV before they played for us. So there is a huge development that goes through, and and a part of that development is the patience to have, um, you know, just to to have when you're going through the process and, and not getting overly frustrated. We expect some frustration right but not overly so there's a process to it but then there's just dudes like you know like man and and, and for us you, you know it's the i've always said this the friends who have really good players and, and some division one guy it you gotta fall in love one coach it's in the eye of the beholder man. it's one guy yeah what one guy and, and that's how we've been i mean that's kind of how we've been some of our best guys weren't recruited like you know by maybe one or two teams and you know we don't care they fit our eye a little bit you know of how we like to play and um and then there's of course the no-brainers right like the girlies and guys like that but um uh, hey i'm just gonna that. i'm just gonna say it because i don't have to coach against you next year girly has no business in division three <laughs> good job <laughs> His grandma and aunts live in Alliance, and he used to go to my camps like when he was in fifth and sixth grade. So there was a relationship there for sure, and, and thank goodness. You well, know, get, get, thank Hopefully, he won a contest, and I gave him the greatest T-shirt ever, and that's what made him come. Get, get, yeah, get this story though: we play at your place. That game I talked about early in the year, and you know we we don't win. We don't. So I drove to the game because my son's a high school player. And I, I'm literally going to drive from Alliance back to back here, back to, to almost three hours to try to catch right. my son's game. So I go to a subway just down the street from from the from the gym, yeah. and, and there's a, a lady in line in front of me in a big Mount Union purple sweatshirt, and uh, I, and and I think it had his number on the sweatshirt. And I said, "Are, are you Gurley's mother?" And she said, "No, I'm his aunt." And, and I said, Amy. "Yeah." And I said, "Well, I said it's nice to meet you. I coached at Northern." I said. Um, I forget how the conversation got to to come up, but she asked something about coaching in the league, and and somehow Tom Heil came up, and she goes, "Yeah," she said, because Tom played at Bluffton when I was an assistant, right. so I coached right. Tommy. And Tommy, she says, "Yeah, Coach Heil tried to recruit Colin," and and she said, "Now this was her story. I, I probably should have fact checked with Tom, but I didn't." Her story, she said, Tom said, I, "You know." I, I'm not sure that he can get a lot of minutes for us right away because we're really talented at the guard spot. And she said, then he was freshman of the year in the conference and I called coach Heil. <laughs> I love it. She said, I love it. She said, you think you could have got minutes now? <laughs> I love it. Well, I will say this. Colin was always a great high school shooter, but he, he never really attacked the rim until that summer going into his freshman year at, at Mount, which changes the entire game because he's such a, uh, you know, a thick kid and, and strong and just a great finisher. And then, and you know, then you got to respect both. So he, he's a pretty special dude. Well, there's, there's no doubt. And, and it's certainly fun to watch. And look, we could, we could get into this real deep and as deep as you want to, we will, but you mentioned it. It's, first of all, it's staggering to say that you had a guy go for 40 and win one round of the NCAA tournament. And the next night he gets zero and another guy gets 53. That's the damnedest thing I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> but, but, it ended with you and a team that, that was legitimately a potential national championship caliber team. And, and then it just shut down and you didn't get to go to the elite eight and, and play I, for lack of a better way of saying it. Can, can, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, obviously much better now. And, you know, the craziest part is uh, they didn't even 
you know, we were in the press conference after that game on, uh, I think, on Saturday, and not one thing. No one, we're not, no one's talking about a virus, you know, and just how uh, everything escalated over those the course of the next few days. And, you know, when, when that Wednesday night I looked at my wife, I'm like, man, this, or maybe Tuesday night, this, this ain't good. Like something doesn't feel right. And then I get a, a call. I have, we can only have 120 in the gym. And then we practice and with the NCAA reps there and Wittenberg's there. And, and, you know, at the end, they just, they kind of, they, we, we sent our guys to eat. So they didn't even know. I didn't know. And then they canceled the whole thing. And, um, you know, your first reaction is, all right, let's get our guys back and talk. And, and we had a great, great half hour with Wittenberg there. We kind of cut the nets down and, you know, which I think at the time seemed kind of corny. But those dudes deserved the piece of a net. We all did. Like, this is sure, history. Sure. You know, no one sees this. And, but it was very, uh, like, a low point. And the, and the low point was, okay, we don't get to continue. And obviously, as a competitor, you know, you want to continue to play and, and try to win the national championship. Like, that's our goal. And, and we were rolling and all of those things. But, John, like, people don't understand. That was March 12th, and, you, and we leave the gym. And then I don't see them again, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Like, uh, almost June or July. Like, so it's, it's one thing to have an exit like that like we did at the state tournament, you don't get to play again. And, you know, we're hugging and everything else. Then there's another one when you're the leader and a guy, let's face it, we're, you know, there's, there, there's some dudes that, that kind of need our guidance every day. Right? Yes. And yes. You don't want to have the answer. You can't answer. There's no answer for him. And I remember Nate looking at me and he goes, coach, I go, Nate, all I can tell you is this is I love you, but this must be really bad if they're canceling March Madness, brother, like this isn't, you know, and you know, we laugh about now. You, you said it. I said, well, I mean, it, they're just not going to start canceling stuff like that, <laughs> you know, unless it's, you know, it's a big deal. But, you know, the more I reflect back on it and kind of the, the journey of the quarantine and, and, and whatever is ahead of us, um, you know, you just like, I wake up in the first 30 seconds you just like, is it real? And it still is, right? I mean, it's still right. like this is all still kind of going on, and every day it's it's it's, it's a new thing. Um, I think it's brought the worst out of people, and I think hopefully it'll bring the best. Even myself, I mean, I get so irritated with conversations and you know and trying to solve problems, and and, and I'm wrong. I know a lot of the times, and and people all have their own opinions and and things like that. It, it's just. It's just a point in, in life, you know, where we're at that is very uncomfortable. And, um, you know, if, 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 if not having a chance to win a national championship is, is the worst thing, then I'm good, right? I'm, right. I'm good. And, and I think time will still tell us if that's even close to being the worst thing. Absolutely. And, and I guess that kind of leads to the, the, the last question because look I, I I really would love to get into X's and O's and what's changed about how you do things and look I, I nobody needs a two and a half hour podcast so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll save that maybe for another episode one of these days sure. we'll, we'll, we'll pick an X and O topic and get into it but obviously the the quarantine and everything that we've all had to experience has created a certain level of perspective even if it's been frustrating getting there uh, I think we've been forced, or you can just choose to be miserable, I suppose, but we've been forced to say, you know, it could be a lot worse and, and try to right. try to own what we what we have here. And we talked before, you know, we don't we don't control much. So let's just be prepared for 
for whatever that next opportunity might be, whatever being prepared looks like. So in, in the humdrum, the monotony of the normal coaching cycle, this would be a more uh, maybe a more pertinent question because I think our, our perspective is a little sharper now. But can you talk a little bit about what it's been like since you made the move to coaching? I mean, high school coaching can be all consuming. College coaching, with all due respect to every coach out there, is a little bit of a different deal in that respect, talk about maintaining a, a level of balance with faith, family, and, and, and the things that you've already told us are extremely important to you. Well, it's a great question. And, and to kind of go back to the quarantine, right? I mean, that happens. And then for the next month, like I, we didn't really leave a whole lot. I have five children and anywhere from a junior in high school to a fourth grader, right? Every, all in between. And the best part that came out of it is we ate together. Like, I mean, I kind of say that jokingly, but it's kind of sad, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, you, know, we, we, you know, we ate breakfast together, and I don't know if I remember ever doing that. And, you know, we ate, ate dinners together, um, which would happen if we'd go out to eat or things. But every day we spent together, and um, I would be lying to you if I didn't say I'd enjoyed the hell out of it, man. I, I, I did. Um, and, and having them go back to school today was a little bittersweet. Because, you know, even my wife, you know, we they, they, little times when around, you want to knock them out half the time. But, <laughs> but, when they're, but when they're not here, like, we just kind of stared at each other. When the last one got on the bus, like, you know, someone kicked you in the gut. Yeah. Um, you know, so that, I think, you know, that was a positive thing. And it does kind of get back into, man, I've been kind of missing out on that. I've been blessed, John. I've been with my wife for 18 years and we dated seven years before that. So she's been with me videotaping games as a freshman high school coach at Ravenna and hit, you know, and obviously at all the, all the games that I've coached since. So we're a basketball family and that's so important to have a spouse and a family who, who are in, in it. You understand what I'm saying? Like they, right. they're not just like, they are at practices and uh, you know, they, they are so close to our players and our club, our players, close to them not just mine all my I, I got the best coaches I mean that's my assistant coaches have been with me you know since I started I mean who can say that three volunteer I mean in drives for free yeah uh, yeah been there know, and, and, and we all have great families and um you know just I think our players see that and they love it and it's not an act it's just they want to be a part of it and and I think hopefully we're developing that as well when they become men and fathers to, to just try to emulate some of those, those, those things. So, um, but it, 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 it's, a, you know, faith is always very important to me, you know, and, um, my son's getting confirmed by my, my father on this Sunday. And, and that's a big deal. You know, my dad's been fighting cancer and goes to chemo once a week and that, you know, that kind of slaps you in the face too. So it's been an interesting year full of adversity, but it, what you learn is, you know, we spend every day together now or talk with my mom and dad and, sure. and maybe those things were lost along the way. So through these tough times, our family has gotten closer. Um, and I look forward to our basketball family once we're together getting closer as well. And I will tell you this, I'll value playing a game. <laughs> I don't care if it's for the two people or 2000, <laughs> I mean, I, I can't, I can't wait for that, for that day to happen. Um, but more so just to be together. Uh, and, and again, there's a lot of people out there, John, I think you're 
more like me who hear those things and like, yeah, whatever. Like it, it, it is facts. Like if you don't love what you do, and especially at the high school level, getting paid four grand, right? Stipend. Like if you don't enjoy preparing and, and going into on a bus and then going to eat some, some wings and have a beer and, and, you know, be miserable and happy together, then you're in the wrong thing. Get out. now. why you can't. You know, yeah, that's, absolutely. That's, that's the way I feel about it. And, and Mikey, what you're saying, it rings so true to me because here, here's what I know. When you coach and you're genuine and, and you're a little bit vulnerable, uh, it, it's like being a person who openly professes faith. There's just a world of people waiting to see you screw up so they can say you're not really a Christian. You're not really a believer. Sure. Well, when you're a coach and you're genuine and you're and you try to be a little vulnerable, there's a there's a certain percentage of the population that say, no, they're all a little crooked. And they're all just driven by, you know, whatever. Right. That, that's just the way it goes. And and, and I, I'm I, I value genuineness. I value that vulnerability that you that you've showed here. And, and hell, I, I, I barely know you. And and what you said is true. I, that's who I am. And, it, and it's who, obviously who you are. And I guess you, you reach a point and I'm 48 years old. Now you reach a point in life where you can say, I, I don't need people to believe it. I just, there's no reason not, there's no reason to pretend I'm not who this is. Cause this is who I am. Right. 100%. And it goes back to that freedom, right? Yeah. But now there's a freedom at 48 and I'm 45, you know, we're, we're grown men. We've, we've been around unbelievable leaders and people that, you know, you just stop caring kind of what people, what people, you know, the negative people think of you and you just go about your day. It's just so much harder. I remember being in my 20s to deal with that. So I think as you go on and, and, and life kind of throws things at you, you know, those things may change. But, um, you know, if, if you have faith and family um, and you get to do something that you love uh, every single day, even the bad days can be kind of good, like. You know, getting beat by Marietta, driving home at one in the morning, and I, you know, I'm I'm typing notes to myself. I'm awful. We stink. <laughs> you know, that's you know all those types of things, and you kind of look back and chuckle in the big picture, like, you know, what a great environment. That was fun. Let's get better. You know, all those types of even telling you before the game, I'm the big. Before the game, you don't really want to talk to me. I'm a miserable human being. I might, I might not have spoken to you that day, but Coach Campoli's like, get over here and meet this guy. Do you know this oh, guy? Absolutely. I'm, well, I'm glad you did. And I think what, you, what you're doing here is, is great, too. And, um, you know, I think no matter what, like I told TK and Scott, like just, you know, maybe someone listens to it and it's, it's a young person who, who you can help a little bit or, or just sharing fun stories. I mean, we all miss basketball. Um, but I think people need to appreciate how special I know, I know we all love football in Ohio, but how special basketball is around here uh, in, in this state and the tremendous high school coaches that we have and the college coaches and, and just the, the passion for it and to be able to talk about it, I hope never goes away because I want my sons to experience what I did and, and, and feeling that, you know, in, in a crowd and in, in a town. Um, and, and hopefully they can. And, and hopefully a lot of these young coaches can as well. You know, I, I'm glad you said that because when I started the podcast back in May, I have an identical twin brother. He lives in Tampa, Florida. And, and he said, what are you going to do with it? I said, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I want to talk hoops. I want to get in X's and O's, but it's, it's evolved where these stories just people love them. And, and right, I, I've gotten right. a ton of positive feedback. So like the, the listenership of this podcast is not huge. It's just, but it's gone from about 50 people in mid June to like 120 today. Right. 
And my my brother's statement in a text message the other day was, "Hey, I'm I'm proud of the podcast, not for what you're doing with it, but the fact that there are people getting joy out of what you're doing. So don't stop doing it just for that reason. There are people who there are people who are getting joy out of it. So don't stop. Absolutely, and trust me, we love talking about these things as coaches. I mean, uh, you know, to go down memory lane a little bit is is fun and it makes you you know appreciate what you've been through and and that journey even a little bit more when you get to talk about it and share it with people well here's what i'll tell you is if you get to ada in january or february when this thing's supposed to get growing and they let you have something of a season if you get to ada and they allow two people in the gym i'm gonna try like hell to be one of them well, just be with Jill. If you come with Jill, I promise you they'll let you in. I, I even get a parking spot if I ride with Coach. That's the good thing. There you go. That's the good there thing. You go. Listen, my man, I'm going to let you go, but I am going to I'm going to get you to commit to this. We're, we're going to do another one down the road where we can really dive into some topic that I'll find one you're excited about, and I'll, I'll throw some ideas out. But down the road in, in October or November sometime, I'd like to get a series of guys and girls back on just to, hey, we're going to talk practice planning or we're going to talk, you know, horns offense and things you run out of it or we're gonna whatever i'm gonna i'm gonna throw out some topics and love to get you back on to do something like that whatever you need buddy i appreciate it and i appreciate what you're doing well i i appreciate you and i'm gonna let you get out of here i won't even ask you for a t-shirt i asked all my guests for a t-shirt but oh i i'm oh i'm sending you the nice i'm gonna even put one in there for joe and he better wear it <laughs> well i'll tell you what if i get two of those shirts i will drive to his place it's like five and a half miles from me and we'll both put them on, and we'll send you a picture. That's oh, it's coming. You better text me your address right when we get off the phone. Done deal, my man. Listen, take care, and we will catch up soon. You got it, John. Thank you very All much, right. buddy. You bet. Thanks so much for listening again today. If you would like to listen to previous or future episodes of the Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook podcast, you can listen on Spotify or Google Podcasts as well as several other podcast platforms. Please review, rate, and subscribe. And if you would like to support the podcast financially, you can do so at anchor.fm backslash john-cook. That's J-O-N-C-O-O-K-0. Anchor.fm backslash john-cook0. Thanks again. Hope to talk hoops with you again real soon. Hey, I wanted to take just a second and tell you how much I appreciate you listening to the Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook podcast. If you're a regular listener and you enjoy the podcast, I'd like you to consider uh, being a partner to the show. We've lost our sponsorship with Anchor. They're still our platform, but the sponsorship agreement has ended after four months. and, And I would really like you to consider being a sponsor and a partner to the show. There's a place at Anchor. Uh, .fm where you can uh, donate to the podcast on a monthly basis and it can be as small as a couple of dollars and as large as you would like it to be uh, and we would like to consider uh, some title sponsorship if we get some some donations that are, are, are larger in nature but I, I really am just hopeful that that a handful of listeners who enjoy what we do here would like to see this continue and allow us the opportunity to to gain from it and pay off some things too on our end here at the podcast. So if you're a regular listener to the podcast and you enjoy what we do and you have any interest at all in, in being a sponsor and, and making a monthly donation to the podcast, please visit anchor.fm and uh, check out the option of, of making a monthly donation to the podcast. Greatly appreciate your consideration. And as always, whether you're a donor or not, uh, we hope you continue to listen and find enjoyment in Talking Hoops with Coach John Cook.